Today on episode number 571 of the School of Podcasting, we have a cool Because of My Podcast story. I'm going to kind of tell you why sometimes I go, ugh, around radio people, and we'll talk more about that in a second. And we're going to talk a little improvisational skills and how you can use those to enhance your podcast. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson. Thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, I am so glad you're here. Here's the deal. I'm going to take my 20 plus years of helping people understand technology, and I'm going to help you massage your message. I'm going to help you tackle that technology, face your fears, flatten the learning curve, and not just get you on the road to podcasting, but get you on the road to podcasting in the right direction, the right way, the headache-free way. If you're ready to start a podcast, simply go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, and that will save you on your first purchase. Well, let's get to that because of my podcast story. I love to hear these, and it's simply something that you wouldn't have been able to do, whatever it is, except you have a podcast. So it's simply because of my podcast blank and be sure to mention your podcast just like this one from the fish nerds. Hey Dave, man, I love the school of podcasting. Uh, I listen every single Monday. Uh, not like Glenn the geek. I'm not in the shower when I listen, but I do listen. Uh, anyway, I have a because of my podcast that I think you're going to like. My name is Clay Gross. I'm chief executive fish nerd of the fish nerds podcast. Been uh, podcasting for about 160 episodes. Uh, that's one a week for three years, or a little more than three years. And so far, podcast has been mostly uh, for a hobby. It has not been a business. Of course, I would like to make some money out of that. We do make some money on Patreon. Um, but that's not why we do it. In the past couple of years, my podcast has taken me to great places. Check this out. I'm more excited about this interview than any any opera interview I've done in 30 years because <laughs> this is my language. Welcome to the Fish Nerds Fishing Podcast, the show that's always interesting, usually funny, and mostly true. I'm Paul Groves, international opera singer, and here are the nerds! Hello, Dave. I'm Clay. <laughs> I know. Shall we go to the opera? That's international opera singer Paul Groves introducing our show at Symphony Hall in Boston. He was touring uh, the country. He got to Boston. He's a fan of the Fish Nerds podcast. Uh, turns out everyone likes fish. Uh, and he he didn't call us. His people called us, invited us to go to Symphony Hall and record a podcast at Symphony Hall in Boston, which is amazing. Uh, last spring, the, the Maine Highlands uh, Chamber of Commerce called us and paid the fish nerds to go fishing and talk about fishing. Uh, and then over the last few months, tons of chefs, fishermen, biologists, artists, conservationists, and really great people have been reaching out to us and coming on the show and invite us to go to cool places and do cool things with them and learn about the fish world. Our show our, and our community has been built around a private Facebook group, which has really made a big difference in our interactions. Then, here's the cool thing now. This year, the fish nerds got invited to be celebrity guests at the Virginia Aquarium and Marine Science Center. 
You're going to love this. They flew me, little old Clay, uh, down from New Hampshire, put me in a fancy pants hotel for four nights, paraded me around town all week like a celebrity. I had to make appearances at a Whole Foods, a beer brewery, and of course, um, I had to do lots of customer experiences. Uh, sorry, they call it guest experiences at the aquarium. Uh, every day I was there, I had to speak to crowds of people, sometimes formally, like on a stage, to dozens and dozens of people, um, and sometimes informally to small classroom groups. Finally, I got to judge the Sustainable Seafood or Sensible Seafood Festival. So in one night, I got to taste 22 restaurants worth of seafood. Totally amazing uh, and and just way, way fun. So all of these things have been driving me to keep podcasting. Again, I'm not making any real money here, but because of my podcast, I have been having some great new life fishy experiences. Anyway, Dave, thanks for doing what you do. Uh, I listen every week and it helps me keep motivated. Um, and I hope that that because of my podcast, other people will keep podcasting as well. We need more po- podcasters out there. So again, this is Clay Groves, Chief Executive Fish Nerd of the Fish Nerds Podcast. Talk soon, Dave. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Clay. Very, very cool. I uh, I love that story. I love the opera guy. Uh, you can find him, oddly enough, you want to guess the website? You guessed it, fishnerds.com. They started again in 2013. It's a celebration of fish, fishing and eating fish. Who would have thought that with a show like Fish Nerds? With your host, Clay Groves, again, uh, the goal of the show is to explore all aspects of fish, highlighting the amazing, inspiring, unusual, and funny. Check it out again, fishnerds.com. And here's something that I, I want to say here, because we talk a lot about you know making money with your podcast if you want to. I always love that. And, you know, if you who, oh, no, no, I don't want any money for my podcast. I think most of us wouldn't. If somebody wants to throw me a, a bone, you know, I will take it and uh, support this show dot com. And the thing is. His podcast, Clay sounds, at least to me, like he's having fun. He's having things happen to him and. You know, to him, he's like, look, I got to I'm making a few bucks on Patreon. But in general, all this fun thing is and he's talking about fish and he loves fish. And I'm pretty sure fish make him happy. And this is where, you know, the Beatles said money can't buy you love and, and maybe money can't buy you happiness. But the money that he spends on his media hosting and his web hosting and his microphone and things like that, it sounds to me like the return on investment in regards to happiness and Think about this. If talking about fish relieves your stress, how much cheaper is that than therapy? It's just a thought. I just want to point that out. To me, when I listen to Clay, he sounds like he's having a blast. And so, again, podcasting doesn't always have to be about, you know, identifying your target advanced, unique. If you just want to have fun and talk about fish, by all means, have fun and talk about fish. Don't waste people's time. You know, be organized and things like that. But if you want a little more happiness in your life, and again, and a lot more work, uh, check out starting a podcast, schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. And now it's time for a power rant. All right. From time to time, I do talk about radio people. And I want to say something up front before we even get into that. Eric K. Johnson, podcasttalentcoach.com. Really cool guy. Co-host of the podcast review show. Do you want honest feedback about your show? podcastreviewshow.com. You get Eric and myself, Michael Sharkey from The Talent Show, Jeff Brown, Read the Lead, 
com. Tim Sinclair from Ringer and my worst interview ever. Philip Keller from Blind Faith Live. There are a lot of really cool people that I know from radio, but on occasion you run into someone that you very politely and lovingly in a, a Christian kind of way, want to uh, smack them about the head and face. And that was the case when I came across Matt Condill. And what it is, is you find these people that are like, well, you know, you're not really a broadcaster until you've been on the air. And, you know, hey, uh, thanks, little podcast people for starting this thing. But, you know, the broadcasters are here now. And, uh, you know, we'll kind of take it from here if you just politely move aside and uh, don't touch the knobs on their, you know. Okay, I'm putting words in Matt's mouth. but I. Am I wrong? Does this not sound a little condescending? And when you look at the study and it says that, you know, the share of year for, for something like podcast is only 3%. Is the hype on podcast really just a lot of noise and it takes a study like this one to figure out where it really ranks? What it really ranks? Yeah, I got your bunch of noise right here, Matt. <laughs> oh, I want to say nasty things about this. Uh, but this is an example of me of a condescending radio. Why you person uh you can find his website matt m-a-t-t-c-u-n-d-i-l-l.com and uh so this is why i think that but i listen to the response that the guy this is from the share of ear uh basically uh, edison research somebody did a study of canadian listeners and so matt's like it's just a bunch of noise is it really that popular it can't be really that popular i mean even even though every graph i've ever seen shows that radio is going down and podcasting is going up it must be there's something really you know this is just kool-aid that people are drinking who knows i'm putting words in matt's mouth let's listen to the answer that the guy said and when you look at the study and it says that you know the share of ear for for something like podcast is only three percent is the hype on podcast really just a lot of noise and it takes a study like this one to figure out where it really ranks? Well, absolutely, of course. I mean, we're, we're, we have come to this with no bias and, and just measuring it as it comes. But I think I would object to you putting the word only in front of podcasting at 3%. Um, you know, that would make it 120th the size of broadcast radio, which for a brand new medium that has its own obstacles attached to it, you know, uh, I don't think it's, is, uh, at all. And since we're kind of still in the power rant phase here, you'll notice, and I realized why this is happening with podcasting, because people are like, oh, can you tell if somebody really listened well by the end of the year with Apple? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, all these other things, they're just making podcast statistics have to do things that newspaper do you know if somebody saw your ad on page 16 you know did somebody read that in a magazine did somebody hear your ad at two o'clock on wgcl did you know but we're held up to these insane standards and so i thought about this i was watching a documentary on nixon president nixon in the u.s who was just this giant crook for anybody outside of the the u.s and when you are caught dead to rights guilty what you want to do is start discrediting your uh, anybody that's coming against you, like, oh, you can't listen to all oh, those guys don't know what they're liars and whatever like that and fake news. So anytime you're caught guilty, you have to discredit the person who is challenging you. And right now, radio is being challenged by podcasting. And so they're going to just come at us and go, oh, you can't believe that. The numbers aren't any good. That's a da da da. So I, I, I think that's maybe, maybe that, that right, you just heard right there was just opinion. It's just me thinking off the top of my head. But I wonder if that's what some of this is behind it because uh, they're wetting their pants because the radio numbers are going down. And for the record, radio is never going to go away. 
it's not. But they see podcasting knocking on the door, and they see that if the numbers keep going the way they're going, it's not going to end well for radio. It's not going to end, but there's a there's a shift. Things are being disrupted, and they need to get their act together. And with that, we're going to wrap up the rant, and let's get to talking about improv in podcasting. All right. Well, joining me via Skype from SeattleImprovClasses.com. I was actually on his podcast almost by accident. He put a thing on PodcastGuest.com and it said something about an improv kind of podcast. And I thought, oh, well, this is somebody that just does a, a podcast and then they just kind of do a conversation. And it turned out, no, 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 this is a podcast about improv. And when I realized it, I was like, oh, I'm going to wet my pants. And the cool thing is uh, Chad teaches improv. He actually has a book out called uh, Improv Manifesto, if you want to check it out. It's Seven Easy Steps to Confidence, Creativity, and Charisma. And uh, so I contacted him. He's like, no, no, this will be fine. And he actually, uh, I, I got kind of a preview of his book. And I'm like, oh, this is really, really cool. And so we we actually did the episode. It was really interesting because I've, I've talked about sometimes you have to step outside of your comfort zone, and I was really outside of my comfort zone, but still had uh, a lot of fun with it. So I later reached back to, to Chad when he said, "Hey, your episode is live," and I said, I, "I, you know, is there something we can kind of tailor this to podcasting?" And he said, "Oh, absolutely." So Chad, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Oh, thank you, and thank, thanks for being on my show. You, you know, uh, you uh, mentioned a number of times that you were nervous, but you came across very, very confidently and and did an excellent job so it was it was a pleasure well that's one of the things that from what i understand one of the byproducts of improv is you it, it builds your confidence would you say that's an accurate statement yeah absolutely uh you know because one of the things that i personally as a teacher even look out for like Different people have different comfort zones, different things they're comfortable with. Uh, and the nice thing about uh, doing improvisational theater or improv comedy is that there are a wide range of different games and exercises that you'll do. And uh, some of them are going to put you out of your comfort zone. And so it's it's a if you already are someone who feels maybe uncomfortable, you know, being in front of a group or something, then you'll automatically be that. But even once you're comfortable with that, you can find different things that will push you and make you basically make you stronger. One of the things that when I was on your show and it was like hyper focused, like I've never been in my life. (laughs) And I really think it would make you a, a better interviewer is I had to not just hear everything you were saying. I had to really listen to what you were saying because whatever you said was going to be whatever I based my answer on. And so uh, is, is there any kind of buzz phrase, be in the moment or anything like that, that you would call that? Yeah. Yeah. I've got both listening, being in the moment, uh, avoiding, you know, getting out of your head, uh, you know, paying attention to the other person and, and really listening to them. Uh, you actually, when we were chatting before we recorded the podcast, for my show, you mentioned being a guest on some different podcasts. And sometimes you can tell that you mentioned that they, uh, the podcasters were kind of copying the format of, of another, another podcaster who just has the same questions. And so they would just by rote ask you questions and they don't really pay any attention to the answers. And one of the nice things about the most, most improv improvisation games are designed to 
short circuit that. So you can't just get in your head and be like, okay, next I'm going to say this, next I'm going to say this, because they entirely prevent you from doing that. You don't like you have certain rules about what type of thing you'll say, and it has to build on what the other person uh, is saying. And it's very, you know, I think that's really important when you're doing interviews and it's really valuable to uh, learn both where your attention is like if you go into your into your own head to catch yourself and to put your attention back out because what tends to happen and and improv makes this really obvious is that people they go into their head and they're trying to think of like what's the right thing to say or what's what's a really intelligent thing i can say but if you've just ignored what's just happened then the brightest idea is going to seem out of place because it doesn't fit with with what's going on. So for the person that says, okay, I'm really paying attention to to what you just said, but now it's my turn to talk. I haven't mm-hmm. taken any time to to plan what I'm going to say, and now the mic is on, and I haven't planned anything. What would you say to that person? So first off is that over time as you do this i mean anything when you first do it is going to be uncomfortable and and it's uncomfortable because it's new probably a, a very typical thing is someone they just go blank like they've they've maybe they were listening it's their turn to speak and then they just go blank okay and what you need to do when that happens is to get yourself started because if you wait if you go into your head and you think of what to say and you're trying to plan it out a you're going to kind of abandon your audience for a while because you've you've just gone away again. And so there's like this pause where you're not paying attention to them. And B, it's like a Newton's law. Like you you have just stopped moving forward. You, you've, you've stopped talking. You've stopped doing anything. Often people's bodies will actually freeze at that point. And so momentum is no longer on your side. And so uh, an example of what to do was was actually, so I've got a, a series of improv classes going on right now. And uh, in the middle of the series, I always take the group out for a dinner and we do some improv games at dinner and, and get to know each other. And it's, it's really fun. And at the at some point during the dinners, generally, there's uh, there there goes where everyone starts sharing stories with each other uh, and and everyone gets a turn to share some story from their life that's really interesting or weird. And in this last dinner a week or two ago, there was uh, one of the students, a turn, it was her turn to talk. And she, she had her, uh, she just was going, I, I don't know what to say. I can't think of anything. And so I was observing her and her arms were crossed and, and folded over and she was still. And so I just had her take take her right arm and, and hold it up and hold up the finger like you, like you do when you're like, I've got a great idea. I said, just move your arm, your body like that. And as soon as she moved her body into the position of, I've got a great idea, she went, oh, I know. And she started telling a story. And, uh, and actually, we had another class w- with that group last night. And the same kind of thing happened with her. Like she was frozen. And I said, OK, move your body. And she moved her body. And, and she started thinking of ideas. And so uh, one valuable thing you could do is that you can keep some attention on your body. And if it freezes up or if you stop moving, go ahead and just move it a little and like a mat, do what you would do if you had a great idea and that will get your brain working again. Another thing along with that is that you can have certain sentences uh, that you would use at the start of some something that you were going to say. For example, you can say, 
you know what, I've got a really good idea. Or, you know, there's something really that I'm really curious to ask you. Or here's a really fascinating story, Wh- whatever it is. But once you say that, your brain, you've started momentum and your brain starts working and it's kind of a magical process. It just keeps going. I read it in your book and I was like, I don't know about that. But it's absolutely true is your brain will fill in the blank. That's when you were saying these people are going, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I think they're part of that probably again was, was nerves and being around people. Cause I know for me, when I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to say. And I would just start talking and it would go somewhere and it was like, okay, but it was just a matter of, you know, I was just saying whatever came to my mind. I was trying to think of something that would be weird or funny, et cetera, et cetera. But I was amazed at how many times in my head I'm thinking, okay, I got nothing. You know, I've got about, and, and of course this happens in like milliseconds, you know, so yes. it seems like an eternity, but I'm like, I don't know what I should say here. But the minute I just like, all right, we're just going to talk. And then something would come up. And as I was talking, then it was like a floodgate. It was like, uh-huh. oh, now we can go here and there. And this would work with what you're saying. So it's, it was really interesting to kind of a go through the exercise, but also to kind of like step outside of yourself as you're doing it to go, well, that's really amazing how my brain is feeding me ideas as I'm spitting them out of my mouth. <laughs> it, is, it is. And, you know, it, becoming becoming good at, at this kind of thing isn't about that that doesn't happen. It's just that you get really comfortable with it and you learn to trust yourself. You just know, oh, you know, I'm blank, but it, I'm going to start and I'm just going to keep on going. And then you kind of forget what it was like to be scared of that. Well, yeah. And I think a lot of that, too, is is like I said, in my brain it felt like any kind of pause was about two and a half days long when in reality (laughs) it was probably like a half a second, (laughs) if that, and if anything that would draw in your audience because they're kind of like, well, what's he going to say? So yes, uh, it might actually bring things in. Um, Yeah. And that's a good point. People tend to be afraid of, of a pause, but a pause can be good. It it builds suspense. Uh, I remember a number of times when I heard you being like, well, you know what? That is an excellent point. And or, you know, you would do that kind of thing to get yourself started. And, and you just uh, it, it, that's part of what made you sound so confident was that you would just be like, I've got it. You know, I, I know exactly what I'm going to say about that, even if you didn't. And I think that, I believe I got this out of your book as you were saying that if, when you say something, even if you're not sure where you're going, say it confidently. And nobody knows that in behind the scenes, you're you know, you, <laughs> you're not very confident in what you're saying. Yeah, because they, they don't know what's going on inside of you. They only know uh, what what they see and what they hear. I, the one thing I thought was really cool in your book, and again, it's called Improv Manifesto, Seven Easy Steps to Confidence, Creativity, and Charisma, was you had a section about the many different ways you can react to something. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? What people uh, tend to do, uh, and this is this is very, very common in our, head driven culture where we're all very cerebral is they'll, is they'll try and think of like, what's, what's a really like creative, clever, smart, funny, original thing to say. And that is limiting because there are so many, so many other ways to think about it. So many other ways to respond both, both with what you say and and how you say and what kind of things. So for example, if I want to say something to you and I'm trying to think, okay, what, what should I say? Or, or more, more generally, how should I respond to you? I could say, rather than trying to think what's the right thing to say, 
I could pick a category of response and then utilize that. So a category of response might be a compliment. I could say, well, Dave, you're looking fantastic today. I could do an insult. I could say, Dave, you're looking horrible today. I could say, uh, I could use a, uh, an excuse. I could say, you know what? I, I, I'm sorry that I'm not doing so well. It's just that I ate the, the wrong thing earlier today. I could, I could remain silent. I could do some sort of gesture. I could make a noise. I could go, ah, uh-huh. And that's especially useful when you understand what each of those different kinds of responses uh, causes. For example, if I make a request of you, that generates action. I say, hey, let's, let's go down to the store and, and pick up some groceries. Will you come with me? And then if you say yes, we can do that. Whereas if I just made a statement, we should go to the store, that it, it's possible that it'll generate action, but it's, it's very likely it won't. Yeah, I, the thing I loved about that section is that if, if something happens to you or there's some sort of stimulus in your area or there's a topic, you know, maybe it's a new product that comes out or, or whatever it is you're going to talk about on your podcast. I think so many times, uh, I, I think we, we suffer at times from people that, that try to be like everybody else. Like, well, this guy's doing it. He's popular. She's doing it. I'm going to do what she's doing it, but I'm going to do it my way. This This really, to me, was like, there are so many ways to react or uh, so many different ways to cover the same subject that I was like, wow, that's to me, that was one that I was like, Hmm, this is something I need. I need, I would need to go back and kind of revisit myself and go, okay, yes, it's, it's fun to kind of just follow your instincts sometimes, but sometimes it's kind of cool to, to stand back and think, uh, Hmm, maybe, maybe I should do a, a different slant on this or that, or I, I was, yeah, I was just going to say, um, I think a lot of people think, like with improv, you're just supposed to learn to just say the first thing that comes to mind. But the thing is, sometimes the first thing to, that comes to mind, like it's driven by fear or it's, you know, it's driven by a desire to or it's, it's driven by your typical patterns of what you would normally do. And it's really good, you know, like in this, you know, in the context of like a, a podcast, a great idea would be to brainstorm as many different formats or, or ways of covering the same thing as you can. And then uh, if you've got like a story like that where everyone's doing the same thing, you, you look among those and see what sounds the most interesting. You know, if someone's just doing interviews all the time, maybe you would go out into the field or you would do like a point counterpoint type thing or, you know, there are just so many ways that you can do it if you intently look at what are all the different options you could utilize. It's the lightning tornado round. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you mentioned that there are multiple purposes of, of storytelling. Can you share on, because uh, some people think just storytelling is storytelling. What would you say are some of the different purposes? Why would you use a story? Okay, that's, that's an excellent uh, topic because there are so many useful things about stories. Partially because you can say all sorts of facts. Uh, but what really hits people and what re- people really remember are stories. That's like podcasts like The Moth and This American Life are so incredibly popular is because you get these these stories that are moving, that are insightful, that are interesting. But there is a book by a woman called Annette Simmons called The Story Factor. Uh, and she does she uh, breaks it into six categories. Uh, and those are. First off, the who you are story, type of story. And that just explains like who you are and, and lets your audience get to know 
you know, why should they like you or, or how are you relatable? It lets them get to know you as a person. And then there's the why you're here story. So it's, you know, what is your purpose in, in coming here? Because, you know, a lot of people, they kind of expect, they kind of expect the worst up front. They're like, oh, this person is just trying to, to, to pitch me something or they want something from me. And so when you tell a story that reveals the, the, like a, a deeper purpose or that at least is like straightforward and says, yeah, you know, I'm only here for myself, but at least it, it gets that across in a way so that people can relate to you and that they will listen to what you have to say. The next, the next one that she talks about is the, your vision story, which is like, like, for example, you know, Martin Luther King at, at the time that he was trying to help you know, gain equality uh, for millions of people. He, he said, you know, you know, I have a dream that, that my four little daughters will be able to to do anything that they want to do and that they'll be able to be friends with. They won't be judged by their their skin color and they'll be able to be friends with little white kids and no one will look. And so he painted this picture of that was more empowering or more important than the troubles that were going to come along the way. It's basically like inspiring people. Uh, the next kind of story would be teaching stories. So rather than saying, you know, you should do this, you should do this, you tell a story to uh, convey that idea to people. Uh, and for example, there was a, a therapist named Milton Erickson, who was uh, a very influential therapist who died in 1980. And in especially in the latter part of his life, because he um, he was struck with polio twice in his life. And so uh, in, in the last 20 or 30 years of his life, he, he couldn't get out of a wheelchair. And people would come and he would just tell all of these stories to people that would have various different lessons for them. And he changed a lot of people's lives that way, just just by knowing what kind of stories those people needed to hear. Uh, a couple other types of stories would be like demonstrating value. So rather than just describing like saying, ah, it's important to be honest, you tell a story that really shows what that's like and how that's true so that people can see more how to implement it in their life. And then another really important one would be um, uh, the I know what you're thinking type story. So if if you are talking to an audience and they have some objections or some concerns that they might not be sharing, you can share a story about having that same kind of concern yourself or other people who had that and how uh, they that opinion transformed so that you're both gaining rapport with your audience and you're also uh, handling and talking about their concern in a, in a respectful way uh, without them having to say, well, no, that's a problem like just addressing it through the story. So those, those are, in, I, you know, I, I recommend that book because uh, I think it goes into those techniques really well. But I think that, you know, if you're starting, like, for example, if you're starting a podcast, you want to share some stories about that, that allow people to get to know you as a person and then also know why you are a credible person to listen to and what your values are, that, you know, that kind of thing. Do you have any students that, stick out in your brain that came in and there were just, you know, they came in one way and went out completely transformed. This class, uh, when it's started the, the first night of their class, they, they were about as, as timid and scared as any group I've ever had. Like they, they were really, really nervous. And it showed, they, you know, the nice thing about 
this kind of thing is that people are extremely honest about it. Like they'll just be like, I'm terrified. I have a girl who's in the class right now. She sent me an email in advance of the class saying, you know what? I want to do this because I'm scared of it, but I don't want to do it because I'm scared of it. (laughs) So will you please tell me that I should do it and convince me because I'm terrified. And so, you know, I was like, yeah, you should do it. (laughs) And so she did. Is she done with the class at this point or is she halfway through or? Uh, She's halfway through. And the most dramatic transformation uh, you see with people is actually in the first class because uh, people, at least in my classes, people, people don't sit around on their ass. Okay. So I I get people doing stuff very, very quickly. And I uh, have developed a lot of tricks to kind of work around the, the fears that they have so that they just without, you know, they're just so distracted by the games and having fun that they quickly forget the insecurities. And so in in that first class, I do kind of a comparison. So like in the first, within the first half hour, I have everyone go up in, in twos and they do a quick scene. Like I don't give them any instruction. I make it, I'm I'm really mean. And, uh, they go up and, and they, and they do their best. All right. But, you know, by the end of that class, I taught them like just a few basic concepts, had them doing some games. And we did another round of scenes at the end of the first class. And it was entirely different. I've I've seen like a number of people who, you know, for instance, I had a woman who was becoming a life coach and she needed to do presentations and she would get, <laughs> she would turn, she would turn red and she would get all sweaty when she had to do these presentations, even if it was over the phone, uh, like, uh, like a conference call type thing. And so we, um, uh, you know, she did, she did the classes and part, uh, a third of the way through the classes, she went and she led this retreat and she came back and she said that that wasn't a problem. And she, you know, she didn't sweat and she didn't turn red or any of that. Um, and so I, th- I think that was uh, a very nice one. There was this, there was a really uh, sweet woman who was, was very, you know, really quite shy. I get a lot of shy people, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is natural and, it, you know, by by the end, like her her colleagues at work were commenting on how, you know, how how funny she was and and people were saying she seemed so outgoing. So so that's that's kind of the the typical changes that you'd see. Nice. Well, again, his book is Improv Manifesto, Seven Easy Steps to Confidence, Creativity and Charisma, Even If You're Shy. Chad Elliott from SeattleImprovClasses.com. Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. It is is a lot of fun. And again, you can find Chad at seattleimprovclasses.com. Obviously, if you're in Seattle, go over and take a class with Chad. I'll have a link out in the uh, show notes, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 571 to his book. But I'm going to play a small clip of where I appeared on Chad's show. Again, never doing improv. And this is kind of where, and it was interesting. This was an example of an exercise that Chad put me through. All right. We are here with uh, Dave Jackson, who is an expert on DUIs in the Incan Empire uh, back in the 1400s. So, Dave, can you please tell us a little bit about why there was uh, the, where there's these DUIs uh, back in the Incan Empire before there were even automobiles? Well, yeah, the Incan Empire, of course, uh, the Incan area in general had a lot of alcohol 
involved. And so these people would, you know, would go out to a, a local tavern or whatever, uh, buy the torch light or whatever it was at the point, and uh, they would consume some alcohol. And the problem is they would then get on their horse or uh, whatever it was they were riding, maybe a um, a tortoise of some sort, something that was taking them home. Uh, I, be- I believe they- that's right. I believe I believe tortoises. That's right. Yeah. And so the problem is, you know, uh, you can't steer. And uh, the next thing you know, there's a giant crash uh, with the tortoises. And, uh, you know, so they started issuing people DUIs and they're like, hey, buddy, what's going on? You're, you know, you're, you didn't turn on your blinker and blinkers didn't even exist. So the guy was really confused. And uh, he said, you should have, you know, headed that tortoise a little to the left and instead you, you crashed. And so they had to do something because it was just just it was chaos everywhere. Well, you know, I'm sure it was a lot like I've heard. I've heard accidents described as like act happening in slow motion. Like, and and in fact, on the turtles, I'm sure it was it like in slow motion. So one of the greatest things about improv, and you might be saying, "But Dave, I don't do improv." And I'm going to tell you in a second. Yes, you do. Is it prepares you for when things go horribly wrong. Like, I painted myself into a corner in some of those stories. Number one, Chad made me sound a heck of a lot better than I was. But it enables you to go through a bad experience so that if you do it again, you don't freak out. You don't spill your cookies everywhere. And you go, okay, I've been here before. I just, I'm going to do this now this way. I'll give you an example. Uh, this weekend, I met, do you know Matt Rafferty? Matt Rafferty's cool. Uh, the, the author inside you.com, we did a little Moses weekend and this little thing called conversation. And it's where I would talk to him. He would listen to me. He would ask me a question and then I would ask him about like, wait a minute, you make commercials for TV. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Uh, do you ever do the thing? And yeah. And the thing, and, and you just bounce ideas back and forth and you listen and you talk. And that's great when you have a good guest, you have rapport, but earlier, I think it was last month, I got set up by my sister-in-law to call a female and to say that we had zero, like not a zip, huh, uh, mm, anything in common, that conversation was brutal. And I'm like, oh, really? What kind of movies do you? Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I kind of hate those. Okay, what about? Um, oh, really? Oh, wow. What you think the Beatles suck? What are you? What? Wow. Okay. And so now, is what that enabled me to do is like, okay, if I ever have to go through that again, I know how to because I'm pretty good with conversation. But that's part of it. And the only way, so I'm I'm saying this is go over listen to Chad's show. Get some of the examples. If you're doing something with a co-host or or your wife or a spouse or an uncle or whatever, do you have kids? I improv the day. My uh, four-year-old uh, great niece and I were playing with some sort of barn and horse toys. Glenn the Geek would have been happy. And I, I put my horse into this one area and she goes, no, Unc. She calls me Unc. She's like, uh, Unc, no, your your horse goes in that barn. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Wasn't aware that there was some sort of rules here that the purple horse goes over here and, and the green one is whatever. You know, I'm improv with a four-year-old. And you just kind of go with the flow. And that, again, is it's a skill to to just do things whether you you think it's right or wrong, just keep moving. And these skills are developed by just doing. 
And so I'll have a link to his book if you want to check it out. I like the fact that it made me contemplate different ways to handle situations. So when you're not doing improv and you have time to brainstorm, you now have different perspectives. Yeah, it ha- you have those. I think they're called perspectives when you can get your mouth to work. And you, I'm leaving that in. And uh, so you can kind of sit back and go, how can I handle this? Maybe this way, maybe that way, maybe this way. So you kind of learn to brainstorm with yourself in a way. It opens up many different doors. And I I didn't quite get it. I'd heard my buddy Glenn the Geek talk about it. And I kind of get it now that this can enhance other skills in your podcast. This doesn't mean you have to go take an improv class, although it wouldn't be a bad idea, because just the act of being really uncomfortable, which I was doing his show, and then coming out on the other side going, ah, it wasn't so bad. I mean, even Chad said, it's that first session when people realize that nobody's going to punch them in the face and they're okay that they then start to transform quickly. So with that, again, I want to say special thanks to Chad. And I want to talk as we get ready to head out the door here. Everything's at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 571. And I want to remind you that I need your homework. I need your homework. I know you you heard this last week and you're like, oh, yeah, I need to do that. I need this by February, February, it's because it starts with an F, Friday, the 23rd of June, uh, I need, and what are you, what's the homework? Go to schoolpodcasting.com slash contact in the subject line of your email, uh, put in 572 because that's next week's episode. And now the question you're answering is, If you are a person that subscribes to podcasts, how many episodes do you listen before you go, yeah, I'm unsubscribing? Like how many strikes do you give somebody? If you're a person that doesn't subscribe to podcasts, how many podcasts do you listen to before you either A, don't listen to any more or subscribe? I'm trying to figure out how many strikes as a listener, like if you, in this case, you're acting as the listener, how many strikes do you give somebody? before you either subscribe or unsubscribe. That's what I'm trying to get into. I'm trying to figure out how fickle we are as listeners. So all you got to do, I do this every month. The last episode has a segment where you and I work together to create it. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. Has all my information. You can contact me via email. You can call in your comments. You can use SpeakPipe. It's all there. I would love to hear you. And of course, of course, you know I'm going to say this. Be sure to mention your show and your website. I know Darren Dake did of Corner Talk. He's already got his thing in. So get yours in, and we'll play it here on the show. That's what we are looking for. Other piece of news, podcast movement right around the corner. Use the coupon code SOP10. That'll get you 10% off your ticket. Go to podcastmovement.com. Other thing that is really cool, I just got done watching the Messengers documentary. This is something, if you're a new listener, I've been involved with. It's a documentary about podcasting, and you can find it at themessengersdoc.com. And I just got, because I ordered, they had an Indiegogo campaign where you got a limited edition DVD and a booklet. And the DVD, or I should say the, the movie in general, has made it through quality control because getting a movie into iTunes 
way different than getting a podcast into iTunes. Quality control is like nothing I've ever seen in my life. So we've passed Q&A. It's in the hands of iTunes. So what I want to, I'm saying this now is you might actually hear me in the future, like on a Wednesday, put out a podcast to say, now's the time to go, 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 go. When this comes out, here is the plan that we want to do, because this is a great movie that is, can be used if we do this right to really put podcasting out indie, indie podcasters, let's even go with that indie podcasters out into the forefront of people to go, this is what's possible. And so when it is available for pre-order, I will let you know, as I'm sure everybody else will, we want to pre-order the bejesus out of this thing because it's only going to be like five bucks and there'll be more about this in the future. But that way, when it debuts, we want that bad boy to be the number one documentary movie in iTunes. Hopefully, then, we can get into something like Netflix. Hopefully, that'll catch the eye of Apple and all these other things. But we really want to. We did this, man, it was probably 10 years ago. We we did a thing where we pushed an independent band to the top of the charts. We can do this if we all work together. So... Us podcasters, you, me, and everybody else, uh, kind of keep your ear to the ground because this is going to be happening probably within the next month or two once we get approved. And as soon as I know that it's available for pre-order, I will let you know. You can go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash newsletter and sign up there. I'll let you know there. You can follow me on all social media. I won't list them all because, well, you know what they are. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. And I really look forward to, we have a great vehicle here to really put podcasting on the map even more and have people find other shows that are done by average people like you and me then and go, wait, I didn't know this was possible. Yeah. Uh, Lily Wong does a show called, I think it's Flying With Lily, 19 million downloads, 19 million downloads. It's amazing. So keep your ear to the ground. And I'm sure uh, my other friends, you know, Daniel G. Lewis from the Audacity to Podcast, Ray Ortega from podcasterstudio.com. Everybody else will be talking about this when it's time to go, 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 go. But uh, it's going to be cool. I'm really excited. I just watched it again on my computer. It's really, it's still weird to see your face in a movie, but uh, very, very cool. So Get ready for that. You know, let's, 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 uh, you know, on your marks, get set. Let's get set for this. And, uh, I will scream go when we're ready. And I get the nod from executive producer, Chris Kermitzos. So thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, you know, we talked about if you're not sure with yourself, improv, that kind of thing. I have worksheets that will help you identify your strengths help you identify your topic. And so that when you do come out with that first episode, it's not as horrible as maybe it would have been if you just did it on your own. And you'll be able to have a quicker impact with your audience. There is a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you can go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, and you'll get access to all of my courses. It's like Netflix, but it's all about podcasting. 
you'll have access to the private Facebook group. And I had somebody tell me the other day that they've already got their podcast launched. They've already done it. They've kind of gone through all the courses. They're like, I'm just sticking around for the Facebook group. You'll also get live training from me twice a month. We do group coaching. And I am there bringing my 12 years of experience. So if you have a question, boom, there's a special way to contact me for a school of podcasting members so you don't get lost in all my email. If you're interested, again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code listener. Thank you so much for tuning in. Last bit of news as we head out the door. This is the last one. This one's quick. Next week, June, the the, the one that's going to have your the thing that you're sending in, the segment, we're going to talk about how many strikes you get as a podcast listener. But also, I want to let you know, normally those come out at 12 midnight on Monday, basically Sunday night. Uh, I am taking a class in Nashville next weekend. I will be there the 23rd, the 24th, and the 25th. I'll be coming home later the 25th. So usually I am making my podcast on the 25th. I'll, I'm not sure what time I'm getting home on the 25th. So if you wake up Monday morning and there's the show isn't there yet, it's because it took a lot longer for Dave to get home. It will be out on Monday. It may be a few hours late. We'll see. As you know, I preach all the time. Be consistent, be consistent, be consistent. And so my goal is to you know, work on this during the week as I can and then get it out as, as normal. But I just want to let you know, in the event it's a little late, it's okay. It will be there shortly. It'll be out on Monday, just maybe not. We'll see. And maybe I'll talk about that as uh, part of the subject next week. But again, get your uh, lines in there. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. I've given you, I think, at least 17 different calls to action now. So I think that's good, which is horrible, by the way. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Until next week, class is dismissed. Take care. God bless. And I hope to see you on the inside.